Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. so good. Honestly, I feel like that's one of the most biblical things I've experienced in a long time. Um, just that, that is the church, especially I'm so glad that, that Steve just led us to stand up and extend our arms too, because this is not just about parents doing this. If, if church is family, not business, um, church is not something that we watch and consume. The church is, is a family that we belong to. And so these children are going to be watching us and like aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and cousins and grandparents, we have to be about their hearts. Amen. So just so good, so healthy for us. Just like welcome to biblical reality, you know, that's how I feel. So, so, so good. There's something refreshing about just uh, reading the Bible and doing what it says. <laughs> and I think these are days where God's just calling us back into the simplicity uh, of his heart, the vastness of his heart, but the simplicity of it. So in the next few moments, I'm not going to preach like a, you know, famous last words, right? But I'm not going to preach like a, a full-fledged, you know, 45, 50 minute or here today. There are a few things on my heart that I want to share though. And so if you, if you have your Bibles, just grab them. And I just think as our hearts are softened, like by what we just saw, um, I just think it's a, a great time for us just to keep pressing our hearts into the Father's heart. All right. So we're going to grab your Bibles, uh, turn to the Gospel of John chapter 12. Um, last week, we began a discussion about what Jesus says and feels about money. In other words, kingdom finance. Um, and I just want to continue that discussion today. Um, once again, I want to tell you from the start that we are, I'm not talking about tithing once again today. Um, I, I don't care so much about the practical uh, outplay of money here at Providence, you have to believe me. Uh, if I cared about that months ago, I would have been begging you for funds. Uh, but I care about our hearts as far as how they relate to money and, and what uh, the God of your heart and the God of your life actually is. And so today I, I want to continue a discussion about money. And uh, I'm also going to say this, we're not taking an offering at the end. We're not asking you to do that. Like what you already gave, that was, that was your worship to God. You're going to have to live with it. All right. So I'm not shaming you uh, into that. But I, I want to talk about money and how God feels about it. But before we do that, I actually want to take, you know, my, my shortened time, I actually want to celebrate um, the miracle power of God who richly provides for us in, in miraculous ways. And I want to tell you two quick stories of testimony from my life where I've seen God provide in, in inexplicable ways. Do you want to hear these? All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go back about tw uh, 21 years. Um, and when my wife and I were first married, we were living in Chicago. And um, we were student seniors at the Moody Bible Institute. And I was a youth pastor and worship leader, and that was paying for our schooling. And then I worked at the Moody Cassette Ministry, all right? This is 21 years ago, at a, a very, you know, evangelically conservative school. It was still rocking cassettes, all right? Even then, it was silly. Uh, but, uh, and then my wife worked um, at the front desk of the campus gym, all right? So we were not rolling in it. We, we were making $200 a week, okay? Living in downtown Chicago, uh, and how we made it, 
is a testimony of the, the genius generosity of God. But I remember our, it was our first year, we're in our little apartment and we opened the fridge and we literally had absolutely no food. And I remember standing in the kitchen and us both being concerned um, about how we were going to actually function and thinking thoughts like, God, like, we're literally giving all that we've got. We're studying Monday through Friday. Then we're jumping in our car. As soon as class is done, we're driving out to the suburbs and we're uh, leading the youth ministry and then leading worship, coming back exhausted on Sunday afternoon, doing uh, all of our Greek homework and writing sermons for class and doing all this stuff. And we're, just, we're giving you everything we have. What are you going to do? I remember we're praying that and we hear a knock at the door and it was our friends, Steph and Andrew Gray. And they knock at the door, we open the door, they both have two bags of groceries in their hands and they just said, Jesus just sent us over here and they just start loading food into a refrigerator, all right? So we're just like, God, so good. It was, it was weeks after that that we were back to, you know, we actually ate the food. We didn't just stare at it, you know? All, all gone again, okay? And it was weeks after that that we are now... Um, concerned that we have no money. We were down to our last dime. And I remember hearing a couple arguing outside the window, all right? Because in Chicago, when you live in a like, high-rise apartment, it's like sound travels up. You can just, people walking by, you can hear up high. And so I remember hearing people arguing outside the window and I went to check that out. I was just being no nosy. I wasn't concerned for them or anything. I was just like, whoa, what's that? And uh, we had these windows that, that they don't slide up. They open this way. All right, and opened them this way. And as I opened that window, it knocked our CD tower over. This is back, you know, we were actually CDs, all right? And we had a CD tower, and I knocked the whole tower over. And now I was already revved and stressed and frustrated hearing other people argue made me kind of antsy. Um, and I was, I knocked the CD tower, probably, I don't know, 50 CDs go all over our living room floor. Uh, Adrian can't handle it. She goes to the bedroom. I'm standing in the living room by myself. I'm like, God, like, really? Come on, Jesus. Like, really? Have you ever been there? Don't leave me hanging. Like, really? And so what I do is I remember one CD in particular catches my eye. It's a, the Better is One Day Passion CD, all right? And I walk over, and I just, I don't know why. Guys, listen, I don't know why. I just picked it up and opened it. I do not know why. Two $20 bills were in that CD case, all right? So we have only, and then, then our story, this goes like way back to, to these days where $40 kept us going um, by literally, I don't know if, if like, uh, you know, while the CD tower is falling, like an angel comes and slips it in there. Like I, I do not know how it got there, uh, but it was there is the thing. And so um, I just wanna tell you that, that 21 years of planning a church and being a youth pastor and being a worship pastor and all of these things, 20 one years of Adrian and I in our marriage, and then 14 years at Providence, I have never seen God let us down financially. In our own uh, personal lives, in our private lives, we've got into some pinches when we've decided to rush things and not wait on God and, and go ahead of him and, and trust our strategies more than his heart.
But even then, he's only been gracious. The, the psalmist says, I, I was young and now I am old, and I have never seen the righteous begging for bread. And I just want to tell you today that I really believe, here's the posture of God's heart when it comes to finances, is that he cares about your heart's development more than your bank account's development, but he also will meet you exactly where you're at, and he wants to do miracles in your heart and in your lives. When you put, make him the treasure of your heart and your life and not anything else. All right, so I just want to invite us into that. Do you remember when David uh, was facing Goliath and people were like, why are you an untrained child going to go face a seasoned giant? And David said this, listen, when I needed to fight a bear, Jesus was with me. And when I needed to fight a lion, God was with me. This this uncircumcised Philistine, I gotta say that because it's the best, all right? It will be just like them. In other words, I trust that in every season of my life, I trust that in every battle, I trust that in everything that I'm facing, God will be faithful and he never changes. So I wanna speak that out from the beginning, all right? That we serve a massively faithful God and I wanna challenge your hearts that he actually wants to provide for you. He wants to provide for you. In fact, the reason we're still talking about money, and this is week two, is because that finances are not a practical issue mainly. Finances are a heart issue mainly. If you're having financial problems, okay, or let, let's, let's say this, let's go this, let's talk about all of us. 20% of people at Providence tithe. That's a heart issue. That's a heart issue, right? That's not what family looks like. And I wanna talk about what it looks like when, when money is beginning to win your heart. And so the, the reason I had you turn with, to John chapter 12, we're gonna be in verses one through eight, is, is because there's, there's two biblical places, there are two interactions with Jesus um, that I want us to look at, that I want to, us to address uh, uh, some seriously bad theology, and then we're done. Okay, but this passage in John chapter 12, verses one through eight, is a passage of scripture that we actually talk about here a lot. This is the passage of scripture where Mary is anointing Jesus with her most valuable earthly treasure, this pure nard, and she's dumping it all over Jesus. What had just happened, to put this in context, is Lazarus has, had just been raised from the dead by Jesus. And so Lazarus and Mary and Marcia, Martha, they put on this huge feast and they invite all Jesus' friends over there, over, and they're just celebrating Jesus and what he's done, that Lazarus has been raised, and like, wow. And in the midst of, of this celebration, Mary goes and she gets pure nard. Now, we probably don't have nard in our house uh, these days, but just imagine this. Imagine if you could hold in your hand all of your retirement, all of your future security, financially speaking, and you could put all that into one container, you could liquefy it, and then Jesus happens to be in your house at lunchtime today, and you take it, and in one crazy lovesick moment, dump it all over the man. That's what Mary did. And what happens, in it, as Mary anoints Jesus with this, her most valuable earthly possession, she's pouring it out like worship, and she can because it is not her greatest treasure. She is using it to bless her greatest treasure named Jesus. 
So this is what, so it is, for her, it is, it is beautiful. And actually, let me tell you this, Jesus doesn't stop it. He doesn't say, Mary, 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 no, 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 listen, listen, I don't need that, you needed that. My father provided that for you, it's okay. Listen, I'm gonna put it back for you. All right, he could have, he's Jesus, but he didn't, he received it. And so what, what happens is, is Jesus gives the thumbs up, green light, A-okay, this is good to what Mary did. It's a beautiful thing. But also what, what Mary's beautiful worship and Jesus' A-okay to her worship does is it exposes anyone within proximity of this encounter who treasures the gift that Mary gave over the one in whom Mary gave it to. It exposes them. And what happens in verse four and five is Judas, who was in charge of the finances, oddly enough, in Jesus's ministry, Judas gets just ticked. And he says, outraged, why was this ointment not sold and the money given to the poor? And John actually says that he said this not because he cared about the poor, but he cared about the money that he used to help himself to from the money bag. All right, so listen, so here's somebody that's outraged about something irresponsible that has happened. So he says, but he is, he is, the, the hearts and motives are exposed when he sees this. So I wanted, the question that I, I asked is, what does it look like when money is beginning to win your heart? Here's what it looks like. It, when money poured out in worship feels like waste to you. That should be ding, 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 ding. Kingdom bells going off that your heart is beginning to drift towards another treasure and it can happen very easily. If you don't get it that way, let me put it another way. When someone's extravagance just frustrates you, annoys you, and weirds you out. That is, that is maybe what, what it looks like when money is beginning to win your heart. All right, Judas was ultimately, listen to this, Judas, who is outraged for the poor, all right? And he could have done anything he wanted for the poor. In fact, other places in the Bible, Jesus says, listen, you're always gonna have the poor with you. In fact, you don't really care about the poor. You, you, you care about something other than my heart. And Judas was ultimately paid to betray Jesus with money, so this is, that, that is one thing to look at. But here's, here's another thing. I want us to flip to the gospel of Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 17 to 22. And I'm just gonna read this one this time. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 17, going to verse 22. And this is another one, guys. We talk about that story a whole lot. This is another one we talk about. I just preached on this in May. But uh, here we go again, because both of these have to do with finances, and both of these uh, show what a heart that is, um, that is religious to some extent, but actually doesn't love treasure and operating the power of Jesus looks like. Look at verse 17 of Mark chapter 10. And as he was sitting, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is a good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Verse 21, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. 
Your whole life has been about accumulating wealth. I want you to get rid of that as an inferior treasure to me, the superior treasure. I want you to give your whole life to following me. Have one treasure in your life. And so what, what this goes on to say, verse 22, is disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Okay, I want us to see this. That I, I'm always amazed at this story because you've got a man, and, and number one, just looking at what he's doing would get most Christian leaders, most church leaders' attention in such a way that they would probably be thinking about leadership positions for this guy. Number one, like he's running to Jesus. Who does that? Hopefully people that are just hungry, hopefully people that have wild hearts, hopefully people that are burning for his presence, and this guy just wants to be near Jesus, so he's running to Jesus, and then he's kneeling before Jesus, like, wow, so great. Imagine this, he's running, he's kneeling, and then he's asking Jesus, but he's not asking Jesus for possessions, he's asking Jesus, how do I go to heaven? And so he's running to Jesus, he's kneeling before Jesus, he's asking Jesus about heaven, and our evangelical Christianity, that's all that's needed. And you'd think that Jesus would just lead him in the sinner's prayer and just say, well, <laughs> we're good. But Jesus, or following Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom is not mostly about going to heaven. The gospel of the kingdom is getting Jesus. And Jesus, interestingly enough, this guy's running to Jesus, kneeling before Jesus, and asking Jesus for what he wants more than Jesus. He's asking Jesus, Jesus, do you think you would give me the information that I need to get to heaven? And Jesus exposes the treasure of this man's heart because it's discovered as Jesus leads him through, you know, the, his, the, the way that Jesus led him, it's discovered that the man wants heaven, not Jesus, but what's more startling is the man wants his possessions more than Jesus. So what it looks like when money is beginning to win your heart is when money is actually your treasure more than Jesus. You see that? All right. Now we had such a lively service until I got up here. I'm sorry, guys. I really am doing my best. Um, yeah, but this is, this is something, guys, like I, I just let, let me kind of go off grid for a second as a pastor, but just as, as a Jesus follower, this is something that I'm, I'm supremely concerned by because I just believe that we've been doled out such a weird gospel that's not the gospel. And the, the, this weird gospel is, is the gospel that this guy was, was actually operating in. How do I go to heaven <laughs> when Jesus is standing right in front of him and Jesus is saying, no, no, I actually want you, here, here's how you go. You actually follow me as your supreme love, treasure, and trust. And so I, I just, I want, us, I want us to be operating in the, in the heart of God in these days. And I want you to see, these are two places where you see Mary, where she's just pouring out all she's got and, and it's exposing people that love the earthly treasure more than Jesus. And here's another person seemingly doing all of the things right, but actually not wanting Jesus, okay? Now, we need to look at that and we need to say any way that the Holy Spirit is saying, ding, 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 that is you, Listen, there is power accessible and available to you through faith today that you can say, I renounce 
all of the treasures of this life and I receive Jesus as my treasure, my Lord, and as my Savior. He gets to tell me how to live. I am no longer my own. I want him over it all. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. One thing have I asked, one thing do I want, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days, gazing upon the beauty of the Lord and inquiring in his temple. I want God over everything. All right. Now, I told you that I would bring up some, some bad theology for a moment. I feel that I have to do this. Not that I wasn't talking about bad theology, but let's dig a little deeper. How many people like, let's talk about some bad theology for a moment. Anybody? All right. Okay. Real quick. All right. Real quick. But I, I felt like an urgency that I needed to share this today. Typically, my experience in the church has been that, that tithing has been taught where you have three options for tithing. And, you know, I, I'm pretty sure like a Baptist came up with this. Not that all Baptists have bad theology. It's just that it's, it's alliterated as three T's. All right. So I know a Baptist did it. All right. That's not how Lutherans roll. Definitely not Episcopalians and, and, and Pentecostals. Like they're like, there's an outline, you know? So anyway, so, the, uh, so but here's, three, uh, here's, here's the three things. that You can tithe with your time, you can tithe with your talent, or you can tithe with your treasure, all right? Tithe, time, talent, and treasure. And there's this mis- misunderstanding here that when it comes to tithing, that God wants us to tithe one of those things, all right, so you, you can say, well, you know, in church, you know, I don't have a whole lot of money like other people that I know. They can tithe their money. I tithe my time. Oh, okay, is that how it works? Or somebody says, hey, I have no time and I have no money. But what I do have is a whole lot of talent. So I'm gonna just use my talents in church. Maybe I'll sing, maybe I'll, I'm great with babies, a whole babies. I'll just, I'll do what I can. The people who can give will give. The, the people who can, you know, give their time, give their money. I'm offering my talent. It's all oh, okay. How many people say, well, that kind of sounds nice. But it's not a biblical understanding of giving or generosity in the kingdom. I want you to imagine something for a moment. I want you to imagine a father, a daddy for a moment. I want you to imagine this daddy Uh, has his three kids that run up to him and they say, Daddy, we haven't eaten in two days. We need food. And the daddy looks at his kids in love and he says, well, listen, listen, calm down. He goes, I took you to to the lake yesterday so we could spend time together. And the kids are staring at the daddy saying, well, that was time, but it wasn't food. Well, I learned in my church that I can, you know, give either a time and I don't have to give money. And the kids are like, but daddy, that's stupid. (laughs) Oh, oh, you know what? Now that I think about it, it's kind of right. Or how about this? A wife says to her husband, hey, remember, you said you were going to fix that lawnmower and you still didn't do that. And then he says, and then he says, I don't know how to fix lawnmower. Yeah, no, he says, he says, okay, listen, but remember, yesterday I just bought you that new couch. And she says, You're stupid. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, you bought the couch and we needed the couch. Thank you for that. Right? We spent finances to get that. Now I need you to use your skills, fix the lawnmower. All right? Hey guys, the kingdom of God. <laughs> doesn't work in an inferior way to life. 
right? <laughs> in the kingdom, you don't say to your kids, I'm not spending money on you because I spent time with you. In the church, though, my friends, we do this wildly, and, we, and here's, here's the worst thing, we feel good about ourselves as we operate in this ungodliness. I'm noticing a lot of people leaving, all right? Let me wrap this up. See, in the kingdom, God has given us talents. Those are spiritual gifts and abilities, tools in the kingdom to make Jesus famous and to unlock people's hearts and to see them fall madly in love with the king. God has given us time, and I, I know that sometimes what people need is, people don't need your talents, they need your presence. They just need you to show up in their life for five minutes, right? But God has also given treasure. That, this is, the, I don't like calling money treasure because we have one treasure named Jesus, but you know, going back to you know, the alliterated you know, three T's, but that, this just means finances, wealth, provision, okay? And God has given all those. I'm gonna say something crazy right now. I'm gonna say that something that, that is, is half mind-blown. We might lose half the church over this one. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna say it because the Bible does. In God's kingdom, God calls us to give all of them. God doesn't call us to choose options. All of them, all of them. And I have a suggestion for you. The one that you're not giving is the place that you start. The one that you're not giving is the, is the place that God wants. Now, I'm saying once intentionally instead of needs. I'm not saying the one that you're not giving is the one that God needs. Because we do not give funds, we do not tithe, we do not give our time, we don't give our talents to God because he needs them. All right, he has no lack in himself. In his triune existence, he has no lack. But God does not need your money, and he does not need your time, and he does not need your talent. He's not using you. God is not using you. He's not using you like other leaders have. He's not using you like other teachers have. He's not using you like bad parents have. He's not using you like friends do. He's not being your friend so he gets some of your lunch. He's not using you. He's wanting you. Do you hear this? He, 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 he wants you and he doesn't want parts of you. He doesn't want a third or two thirds of you. He doesn't want the, just the parts that you feel comfortable giving. He wants to be trusted by you wholly and completely and he wants all you've got, not because he needs it, but he, because all of you is where the action starts. He says, now I can make you something beautiful. Now I can make you something great. You're trusting other things, bank accounts, job security, whatever. You're trusting other things. Now that I've got all of you, let's rock and roll. He wants to care for you. Do you listen to this. Let, let walls break down. He, God wants to care for you. God, God wants to provide for you. Listen to this one. Let's, let's, go, let's go crazy. God wants to do miracles in your life. When you would stop trusting everything else and just jump off the cliff and trust him to catch you. But you need to trust him. Don't you love, like, when my kids were little, and I've heard lots of dads say this, so it's not just unique to me. When my kids were little, if I, if I stood in the pool and asked them just to run and jump off the thing, even before they could swim, when they got the big swimming on their back, the inner tube that would whack me in the face or whatever, they, they, they just, just, kids trust their dad. Kids trust their moms, 
right? I remember one time when Ethan was learning to walk, like he was going up the stairs and he was kind of, he started falling back and I saw this and went, I caught his head before I hit the floor. Like that, my, my eyes were like always watching him, right? This is, this is, that Jesus says to parents, he goes, if your son or daughter ask for a fish, you don't give them a snake, if they ask for bread, you don't give them a stone. How much more is your father going to take care of your needs who's perfect? So here, here God is. He's saying, I, I want you to trust me with your life, but you need to trust me. I was at, a, at Hershey Park at the end of the summer, wasting money and just being frustrated, you know? And, uh, but I took my kids there because you want to see them blessed for a second, all right? And it's just, it's always my dream. Like, what do you want to do on the last day of summer? How about, let's stand in six hours of lines and sweat, you know? It's, it's, always, it's always great. And then let's pay $14 for a smoothie. It's, all, it's wonderful, right? But we do this because we just want to, hey, let's, let's, let's have an attempt at fun and love. We're walking through the park, there's a, one of these little things in the middle of the park. It's, it's a whack-a-mole, you know that? And the whack-a-mole is there, but above it is hanging tons of huge, fuzzy, uh, stuffed unicorns. And that caught my daughter Lena's eye. And she's like, Dad, like a unicorn, that would be great, that would be great. And so I'm just like, oh, okay, like how much is it? 6,000, all right, here we go. And we go, and, we, and I, I'm, I, I just felt, I don't know how to explain it, but I just felt the, the anointing of God come over me. And I felt, I, as, these, as these moles' heads are coming up, I just felt like I was in the matrix. I was just like, I was just like, how am I so easily doing this? <laughs> you know, I was just like, like, I don't need my eyes. I just need, it's just like, holy, I, I just felt the presence. People were going out around me. I'm just like, wow. And so this, as, I'm, as I'm doing this, I won. And we get this unicorn, and I get to give it to my daughter, and she carries it through the park all day. Well, I didn't ask, and I didn't ask my other daughter, Grace, do you want one? I'm under the anointing here, girl. Come on, let's cash in. But we, we, we walk away, and we, uh, later, as we're getting ready to leave, Grace says, you know, Dad, I kind of wanted those too. And I went back to the whack-a-mole place, but I had lost the anointing. And I spent a whole lot of money whacking moles to no avail. And when we were watching yeah, fluffy unicorns going to this person and that person, and I had to come away with it, literally spent all of my cash because I love my girl, but imperfectly able to supply what she wanted. And I want to tell you, I think that some of us are here and we actually have walls up to God. We have, we have walls around our finances because we've seen God give the equivalent of fluffy unicorns to other sons and daughters. And we've taken this, this posture with God that God, when I asked you for what they got, you didn't supply that for me. And then we form a narrative that says, since I didn't get what they got, or I didn't get what I think that God should have given me, God must not love me as much as he loves them. And so we kind of live in that posture like we're an orphan, but we're not really in the house. And I just want to tell you this morning that, uh, that God does not operate like me. His hands are not tied. If he wants to give you a fluffy unicorn, he will. It's not, I tried to no avail. So it's, it's not like, you know, I guess God, like I guess not, I'm not as important as if God didn't give you what you saw him give to somebody else. I wanna, I wanna introduce something revolutionary in the kingdom. You're just gonna have to trust him. You're just gonna have to trust him. 
He's not withholding from you. He doesn't love you any less. He loves you just as much. So the thing that you asked for that you didn't get, maybe it's a weight thing or maybe it's just a no thing, but you're gonna have to trust that you're under the same weight of love and that God, the, the, the most loving thing is not giving you what you asked for. The narrative in your heart has to, has to die to the supreme love of your father for you. And the narrative that, that you've created, that, oh, I'm not seeing, oh, God doesn't love me, everybody else is blessed, and I'm just not, here I am in the fringes, I'm, I'm watching everybody have fun through the window. All right? Well, you don't have to. You can come inside. Everything God has is yours. And what actually put you outside watching through the window wasn't God removing you. It was you deciding to walk out the front door because God didn't perform for you the way you wanted. And you're using money and you're using provision as the standard by which you believe God loves you. But God has already set the standard and it's not fluffy unicorns. It's the blood of the cross, my friends. He's shown his love for you. And if the cross is not enough, you also have a fluffy unicorn to, to complement the cross. Listen, that we have left the realm of what's called Christianity. It's, it's no longer biblical. We tell God, I'm holding you hostage. I will believe that you love me if you do exactly what I want you to do. And, and now biblical Christianity has to come back through that window. Biblical Christianity has to walk back in through that door where we say, wait a second, I surrendered my whole life to God. I surrendered my whole existence to Jesus Christ. I trust him to forgive all of my sins. I trust him with my past. I trust him with my future. I trust him with my present. Why am I not trusting him now? And what gets you to walk out a door and to create a narrative that you're just second rate, son or daughter in the kingdom is, listen, it's a lack of trust for his heart. The father this morning wants to welcome you back to just trusting for his, trusting your life with his heart. Do you hear this? This is, Christian. actually, faith is trust. Hope is trust on its tiptoes. Future trust. Current trust, faith, and hope. Knowing that, that you're loved, that God is not a genie that you're rubbing and that God is constantly performing for you. That is, that is dead religion. But you have to trust that God wants you, loves you, has paid for you, and that you trust him with how he provides for you. Parents, listen, listen, listen. If, if your kids come to you and they're five years old and they say, I just want Twinkies for the rest of my life. Pizza in the morning, Twinkies for lunch. You don't give them what they want. And then if at bedtime they're challenging your love for them, you say, no, I withheld a life of feeding you Twinkies because it's not healthy and I want you to thrive and flourish. Your immaturity is, is causing you to ask for this right now. And I'm a parent. You're gonna to go to bed twinkyless because you're loved. Let's quote that on Facebook this week. All right? Jesus, take all of our Twinkies. Just take them all. We've had too many. And we just want what you want for our hearts and our lives. Guys, so I, I think there's two things going on this morning. Number one, I think that God is calling us to trust him again. I think right where you sit, you can say, God, forgive me. 
give me a, a trust revival. Right, start right here. Change the narrative. Break down these walls. Just, just cry your eyes out as you come back to Jesus. He never wanted you to walk out. But the other thing that's going on today, and this isn't exactly what I was preaching, but I, I, I jotted this down this morning that I really believe that there's, there's a breakthrough for uh, provision this morning. I think that there's, there's people here that if you would actually stop whining and stop fearing and stop stressing over your finances, I, I believe that if you, if you just came and you partnered some, with someone in prayer, I think that ne- if you did that today, I think next week you'd be up here on stage saying, I surrendered my finances to Jesus last week and like, look what he did this week. And I think that the fame of Jesus would resound as you just come and you just kind of partner your faith with other people. So I I would love the prayer team to to come right now. And I would love you, if you need to partner your faith with with somebody, I would like you just to kind of beat them to the front. And let's create testimonies, not tragedies. Come on, anybody? So as they come, let's just pray this. So Heavenly Father, I... I just pray, God, that you would just release just a supernatural provision, like just miracle provision. Put, put money in CD cases, God. Put, and, and just, be, just creative miracles across the house for people in their lives, that you would bless them, that you would provide for their needs. God, but, but I also pray that you would give supernatural, otherworldly kingdom trust, that we would trust you supremely above all other things, and that we would be the people that pour it all out on Jesus, and that we would be the people people that say, you know what, all of these possessions were nothing. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. And so I just, I just pray you work that miracle into our hearts where Jesus is our one trust and hope, I pray, Father. So thanks for the good things that you're doing in this house. Thanks for moms and dads. Thanks for uh, sons and daughters. Thanks that your kingdom cannot be stopped by anything. And thanks that we get to be a part of it. And we just bless you. And I just, just release just, just whatever you want to do in this house. In every single heart, God, just humility, faith, radical trust, radical obedience, God, to what you're calling us to do in these days. And we bless you, praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.